As dawn broke, he arose. Jesus was coming for his kingdom. Coming to save man from sin. Coming to crush the hold of death from within. Coming so man could live with him forever. But man's heart did not desire his saving grace. He came humbly on the unbroken foal of a donkey. As he entered the city, the people rejoiced, but Jesus wept. You see, the crowds didn't want forgiveness and mercy. They desired an earthly victory. They followed Jesus for misguided reasons. They followed his works, but denied the freedom in his words. He came for a spiritual kingdom, not of earth, but the kingdom of heaven. And though legions of angels knelt before him, he did not come to wage war on the Romans, but to wage war on religion. The cancerous hypocrisy driven by pride, which concluded that the sinner should be shamed and excluded. But these very sinners were the purpose of his crucifixion. Make no mistake, Jesus did not die a victim. He was instead the willing sacrifice for our sin. We worship Jesus today, not because of what he may do for us, but because of who he is to us. Our King, our Messiah, and our God. Who brought his kingdom through a cross. The heavy cross that pointed to a promise. A revelation that one day will stand with every nation, tribe, and language. Palm branches lifted high, one voice united in a deafening cry. Salvation belongs to our God. Jesus is here. His kingdom is here. Palm Sunday many years ago, Jesus was entering into Jerusalem. He was coming for his kingdom. During his ministry, he often spoke in parables, and and many people misunderstood that he was indeed the promised one. Uh, They also, uh, he chose to not reveal all things to all people. For example, uh, one time Jesus was at the wedding at Cana, and we know from that story that they ran out of wine, and his mother uh, asked him to do something for her. And in John chapter 2, verse 4, he said, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour or my time has not yet come. The time had not come for him to reveal uh, publicly who he was. Uh, When he said, my hour has come, um, it was not yet time to show that he was coming for his kingdom. On another occasion, uh, his brothers were uh, heading to the Jewish festival of tabernacles. And in John 7, 
Beginning with verse 4, it said, But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world, for even his brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here. But today, as we think about that first Palm Sunday, by his very entrance into Jerusalem, Jesus is proclaiming that the time is here, that his kingdom is here. He publicly proclaimed that he is the Messiah, that he is the promised Savior. And our text for today is in John chapter 12. So if you brought a Bible, uh, I would encourage you to turn there. And if not, uh, I have everything for you here on the screen, and I'll ask you to follow along as I read. It says, The next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now in your bulletin today, you have a white insert, and there are actually four observations that I'm going to share with you uh, based on uh, this text. And the first observation is this. When Jesus announced his kingdom... The crowds rejoiced. It says in verse 12, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. This was the beginning of the week of Passover. Passover was a festival that God had instituted for the Israelites for them to remember how God had redeemed their people from slavery in Egypt. When Jesus entered the city, there were tremendous crowds of people. Now, we don't have a biblical reference that tells us what that crowd may have been like. However, first century historian Josephus described a crowd at the Passover festival in A.D. 65 as being 2.7 million people. Now remember, Jews were required to go to Jerusalem for this celebration. And so even if 30 plus years later uh, the crowd was greater, even if it was slightly exaggerated as sometimes people do when they count the number of people at at a public event, the crowd would have been immense. And it was before this mass of people that Jesus publicly declared that he was coming as king. 
As he entered Jerusalem, the people were shouting praises to welcome their king. In verse 13, it says they took palm branches and they went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. This grand entrance was a customary practice in announcing a king. And they believed that he was coming as the king of Israel. Now in 2 Kings, when Yehu was anointed king over Israel, the people responded with similar praise. 2 Kings 9.13 says, They hurried and took their cloaks and they spread them on the bare steps. They blew the trumpet and they shouted, Yehu is king. In Luke's gospel, we find some additional details that John did not share. And in Luke's gospel, chapter 19, 35b, it says that he went along and people also spread their cloaks on the road. They shouted Hosanna. And the word Hosanna means, save us, we pray. They shouted, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they proclaimed him as king of Israel as they said, Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus announced his kingdom. And the crowds rejoiced. Observation number two. When Jesus announced his kingdom, he entered in humility. Verse 14 and 15 reveals to us, it says, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Now, Jesus entered the city very humbly. And it says that he entered on a donkey. But the detail that we find is that it was actually an unbroken colt of a donkey. And that comes from Mark's gospel, where he says, go to the village ahead of you. He's telling the disciples, just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever written. Untie it and bring it here. Now, what do you know about a, a, a donkey or a horse that has never been ridden? Pretty easy to jump up there and they'll just calmly take you along, right? No, right? Um... I would think that the first time somebody jumps on the back of a donkey, uh, they're going to probably get knocked off real quick. But Jesus rode on the back of an unbroken donkey, demonstrating his power over all things. And at the same time, because he was riding on this foal of a donkey, he symbolized his humility. It would have been interpreted uh, as, as a public declaration that he was king, but also that he was coming in peace. He was intentionally fulfilling the scripture God had given through Zechariah more than 500 years earlier. And in Zechariah 9.9, it says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. 
Now, I find it amazing how God gave those words 500 years earlier. And there they are being fulfilled as Jesus entered Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. In times of peace, a king would ride into a city symbolizing, he would ride in on a donkey symbolizing that peace prevailed. But in times of war, the king would ride in on a prancing stallion. Now, history records, not the Bible records, but history records that four generations earlier, in 163 B.C., a man by the name of Judas Maccabeus, known as the Hammer, entered Jerusalem, and he was riding on a massive stallion. He rallied an army of Jewish men to fight against the Syrians who at that time had occupied Jerusalem. The people also shouted, Hosanna. They also waved palm branches, and they also rejoiced and cheered. They said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But it wasn't long after that that Judas Maccabeus was killed in battle, and he was buried. And that was the end of the man known as the hammer. But here, years later, Jesus enters Jerusalem. Jerusalem is occupied by another world power, the Romans. And as he is coming, the crowds believed that Jesus was announcing that he was coming as king. Coming as king to do battle against the Romans and to overthrow their authority. But Jesus intentionally rode on that donkey to let them know that he was coming in humility and in peace. Instead of a great stallion, he rode on a donkey's colt. Amazingly enough, it wasn't even his. He borrowed it. He was not a revolutionary like the hammer. Instead, he was the promised redeemer. You see, a revolutionary is willing to kill others for their cause. But a redeemer is willing to die for the cause. Jesus is the one who God used to fulfill his divine plan to redeem his people, to redeem you, to redeem me from the penalty of sin. As he traveled past that crowd, he knew where the road would ultimately lead. He knew that by the end of that week, he would endure a tremendous, painful crucifixion. He knew that his lifeless body would be laid in a grave. And he knew that he would rise in victory. He demonstrated the ultimate act of humility. And Paul describes that in Philippians chapter 2, where he says, who being the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. And by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem in humility. And in that week, by the ultimate act of humility, he humbled himself and allowed himself to die, even on a cross. Observation number three. When Jesus announced his kingdom, many misunderstood. It says in verse 16, at first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. The disciples did not understand all things. Understand that they were like the inner circle. They spent much time with Jesus. But they didn't fully comprehend what was happening. It wasn't, it says, until Jesus was glorified that they understood Jesus spoke of his kingdom. He even identified himself to his disciples as the Son of God, as the Redeemer. But they also did not understand that he had come to redeem them from sin. The people along the street, they also misunderstood his purpose. In verse 17 and following, it says, The crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. Now, they were aware of Jesus calling Lazarus out of the tomb. They had seen, perhaps, many other miracles. And maybe they were looking for him to perform another miracle. Uh, They believed that he had tremendous power. And certainly many of them perhaps believed that he was going to free them from the Roman authorities. They too had no idea that Jesus was coming as their king to free them from their greatest burden, their sin. The last thing they were looking for was saving grace. They didn't want his forgiveness and mercy. Instead, they were looking for an earthly victory. When Jesus announced his kingdom that first Palm Sunday, many people misunderstood what it was all about. And then in observation number four, it says when Jesus announced his kingdom... He was opposed. You see in verse 19, it says, So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. You see, among those in the crowd, the Pharisees and other religious leaders were there. And with very angry hearts, they waited for him to say one wrong word. They were looking for an excuse to rid themselves of Jesus. And the last thing that they wanted was for the people to acknowledge that Jesus was their king. In fact, Luke gives us a detail in chapter 19, 39, and 40, which says some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And then he said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. 
Jesus replied that if even the people were quiet, the stones would shout. The Pharisees were outraged. They did not understand how this man Jesus could possibly be the Messiah. After all, if we know anything about the dialogue, uh, they complained because Jesus ate with sinners. Instead of treating those who sinned with judgment, Jesus offered acceptance and grace and mercy. They challenged his miracles. They said he performed those signs through the power of the great enemy. They challenged his teachings. At one point, they even said that Jesus was demon-possessed. They sung among themselves, How dare this man claim to be God, yet even question our beliefs. They said, Who is he to judge us when our law judges him? They were angry. They, they were growing with hatred. Their anger was festering into a desire to kill him. As he entered the city, he revealed himself as the Messiah. He revealed himself as the king. And he was coming to save his people. And he was coming to announce, my kingdom is here. Jesus publicly proclaimed that he is the Messiah, that he is the king. He is the promised savior. When he entered Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday and announced his kingdom, the massive crowds of people rejoiced. They shouted, Hosanna, save us, we pray. Jesus, instead of entering as a great victor, and we know he rose in victory, he entered in humility, riding on the foal of a donkey. When he announced his kingdom, many of those people in the crowd misunderstood. His disciples, they didn't understand everything. And the crowd, many of them were there just waiting for another miracle. They did not understand the kingdom that he was coming to establish. And as a result, when he announced his kingdom, he was opposed. The religious leaders, the Pharisees, they were angry. They were plotting a way to do away with him, to rid themselves of this man Jesus. So as we come to a conclusion here, the question we have to ask ourselves is, what does the announcement of Jesus' kingdom mean to you? When you think about Jesus entering Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday, now understanding that we have full knowledge of all the events that occurred after that first Palm Sunday, after that entrance, but what does it mean to you? He came to free his people. He came to free his people. To free you and to free me 
from the penalty of sin. And so the question is, have you been set free from the penalty of sin? Do you understand why he came in the first place? There's a lot of people that know these facts. There's a lot of people that have heard the story of Palm Sunday year after year after year. And unfortunately, they do not really know the person who rode in that first Palm Sunday, announcing himself as Savior. The Bible tells us very clearly that every one of us, no matter how good we try to be, we fall short of God's standard of holiness. We all sin, every one of us. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that there is a penalty for sin, a penalty that is due. And either we will trust the one who paid it for us, or unfortunately, we will pay the penalty ourselves. Sin must be atoned for. Jesus entered, establishing a kingdom not made with human hands, a kingdom that is in the hearts of those who have placed their faith in him. And so the question we must all ask ourselves is, have we placed our faith in him? When he was coming to announce his kingdom, are you part of that kingdom? How do you respond to Jesus today? If you know him as Savior, I trust that you respond with great gratitude, knowing that as the events of that week unfolded, he ultimately surrendered to the will of the Father. He allowed himself to pay a punishment for you and for me, a punishment he certainly did not deserve. His lifeless body was placed in a tomb, and we know that he rose in great victory. He rose as victor over sin and over death. But the question we must ask ourselves is, are we part of that kingdom? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. And Lord, I do pray that each one of us uh, knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that our faith is anchored in Jesus. That we believe with all of our heart that when Jesus died on that cross, he bore our sin. He paid the penalty that we deserve to pay in our place. But just in case, there is one who has never trusted Christ. If you believe that you have broken God's laws and commands, would you admit in the quietness of your heart before God that you have sinned? And would you also tell him that you are sorry for that? If you believe that when Jesus died on that cross, he paid the penalty for your sin, would you also confess that? You might say, Lord Jesus, I know that I have sinned. I know I've broken your laws and commands, and I am sorry for that. And I believe, Lord Jesus, that when you died on that cross, you died for me. You paid the penalty that I could never pay myself. 
because of your mercy, because of your grace, I believe that because of my faith in you, I have received forgiveness and a promise of eternal life. I am now part of your kingdom. Father, we thank you for the truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we, in Jesus, can celebrate with rejoicing for all that he has done for us. And we pray in his name. Amen.